0: A start On demand. On demand
1: We have finally moved. We are at 201 Portage and we survived our maiden voyage this morning. And it was a fun way to start the week and to start our journey at 201 Portage because we spoke with Brent Bellamy and got some portage in Maine 101. Specifically, we learned about the building within the building and celebrated a major milestone today, 80 years, the 80th birthday of Bugs Bunny. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and a vacationing Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, and this is the Monday, July 27th podcast for The Stars.
0: anniversary it's essentially bugs bunny's
1: birthday today bugs bunny's birthday so we want to have a conversation who doesn't like bugs bunny have you ever met anybody who doesn't like looney tunes greg
0: mm, nope and uh if they told me they didn't like looney tunes i could not be friends with them
2: <laughs> get really. out here. Like, I'm
1: not, i can't be friends with you
0: sorry we can't talk <laughs> that's the end of our relationship I, I must move on from you now goodbye
1: well why don't we start with producer kyle in uh, Master Control, Bugs Bunny, Looney Tunes. Do you have a favorite sketch? A favorite character? What do you got? Um, you know, I was thinking about this a little bit. I
3: think I think I'm a Daffy Duck guy. He was kind of the really out there one, always getting into shenanigans. I mean, they all got into shenanigans, really. That was the name of the game. Um, but he uh, never really got. I don't know what he. I don't know what his me- What his um goal was ideally. He just wanted to cause chaos mostly, and I was into that as a child. So. <laughs> <laughs> And maybe as an adult, too. Um, But yeah, that was usually uh, Daffy Duck was my guy. And I had lots of fond memories of um, watching Looney Tunes going to the old video store with my my grandpa, my dad's dad, and picking up Looney Tunes videos and watching them with him. So that was always a, a fun memory.
1: Daffy Duck was angry, and I think that's one of the reasons why I always like Daffy Duck. And one of my favorite bits, and this is, was when Looney Tunes and Disney, the rare crossover, do you remember the scene in Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Of course. When Daffy Duck and Donald Duck are having a dueling piano match, and the two of them are both, <laughs> between the two of them, there's so much anger, you could uh, fuel an entire city with the rage and the steam coming out of their heads. Uh, so that's classic. Jeff Braun, what about you?
4: Oh, I'm using the cop-out dancer, where, where I'm not going to pick one character because when I think of Looney Tunes, I think of all of them simultaneously, and that was for for my money the beautiful thing about uh, Saturday morning cartoons was the ninety minutes of Looney Tunes, and you just never knew what you were going to get. Most of them would make an appearance at some point. There'd be a couple of Bugs Bunny ones, and a Elmer Fudd one, and a you know the Pepé Le Pew and everything else, and that was just the there was like a four-hour block of cartoons on saturday mornings and the 90 minutes of looney tunes was by far the best part and i just i every, every all week long i look forward to it is absolutely the cartoon highlight of
1: my childhood that's not a cop-out answer because uh looney tunes it didn't matter I, I i loved it on saturdays too but there'd be it would sometimes pop up just at random times during the week you're flipping through channels and suddenly there's bugs bunny and and that would always stop me in my tracks didn't matter what i was doing yeah. uh, if bugs bunny and looney tunes came on had to watch it what about you greg and you you actually highlighted uh, partic- a really specific cartoon which good for you i'd completely forgotten about this one
0: well, I like the Barber of Seville. That is a fun one to watch when uh, Bugs Bunny is cutting Elmer Fudd's hair and then he makes a salad on his head. That's, <laughs> that's funny. But this goes back to a trip to Edmonton where, uh, I got to bring it back to Chi-Chi's, the Chi-Chi's Restaurant League softball team. A bunch of us (laughs) went out to Edmonton. Our buddy graduated uh, onto the Edmonton police force. And I guess there were about six of us that played together uh, softball uh, in the restaurant league. And, well, of course, this is uh, baseball related. Boy, I hope the restaurant's still open. I haven't eaten since I left Cook (laughs) Oh. La da dee dee da da la da 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 abacadabra. Another one? They ought to scream this place. La da dee dee da da la da 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 hocus pocus.
2: vampire
0: oh yeah well abracadabra. i'm an umpire hocus pocus <laughs> i'm a bat
1: okay i'm a bat too Abracadabra.
2: you wouldn't hit the bat with glasses on would you
0: <laughs> i can just remember walking around west edmonton mole abracadabra abracapocus hocus cadabra hocus this back and forth that's a vampire every time Bugs Bunny would say abracadabra the vampire would turn into a bat he thought it was a mosquito and then whenever he said hocus pocus he would turn back into the vampire and it just I don't know just one of those sayings and one of those things that became a part of the vernacular in that group of guys that I hung around with was for so many years so uh, that, I wanted to pull that
1: one out well, You referenced this Greg and uh, Eve mentioning it too the rabbit of uh, Seville have just Let's see if I can if I've queued it up to an appropriate spot. Oh, it's not playing. Is this uh am I doing something wrong here? Kyle is, there, is my computer Content on?
4: Not available in your country. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, no, 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 that yeah. happens. There's video but it doesn't I don't, don't look so perplexed. Why oh, okay. You there? You're there we nice go. and clean. Okay, so there's just something wrong with uh, this particular video, I guess. So, ah, sorry about that. So we'll just chalk that one up. There it is. There's stumble number one at 201 Portage. I don't know what I did wrong there. We'll figure that out. Um, but uh, we also, we, we have been getting all kinds. Of, he, here's one, and Jeff Braun, we both know that this is going to happen. Jeff Currier, who who is Jeff Courier going to say is his favorite uh, Looney Tunes character? He's
4: going to say Foghorn
1: Leghorn. <laughs> Yep, and that's what we've got here at 615. Favorite cartoon, Foghorn, Leghorn. Move away, kid. You bother me. That's classic. Uh, I'll say,
4: I'll say. Sam and Ralph are really good, too.
1: Sam and Ralph. Oh. Which ones are they? Again, were they the dogs?
4: That was like the, the coyote and the sheepdog or whatever it was. The wolf and
1: the Oh, sheepdog. yeah.
0: They we're lived together, and then they the went to work. They punched the time clock, and then the whistle would go. <laughs> <laughs> they punch the time clock. They're just doing their job, right? The sheepdog protects the, the, uh, the sheep from the, from the wolf or the coyote. And so then uh, there's that classic scene where, the, where Sam is just about to grab a, a sheep. And then Ralph grabs him. He's got him by his neck. He's gonna punch him in the face. But at the end of the day, yeah. work whistle goes, <laughs> puts him down, and they walk home. And they go uh, back home together. And they they pick up where they left off the next day. And of course, Sam then punches him in the face. First thing the next day.
1: Mackling and McGarry McNabb is on vacation. Thank you so much for joining us this morning as we begin our adventure at 201 Portage. And Greg, just an absolute cavalcade of text messages at 204-780-6868. On your favorite Looney Tunes characters, because it is Bugs Bunny's 80th birthday, Ryan says, Yo, Yosemite Sam, he was always good. Jordan likes... The Tasmanian Devil and the Roadrunner. Kristen has an affinity for Michigan J. Frog. She says not just because he is adorable, but he also only turns on the charm for select audiences. But uh, this particular listener uh, reminded me of one of my favorites that I had forgotten about. This is from Gary, a.k.a. Sleepy Beefaroni. He says one of my favorite Looney Tunes was with Sylvester and Son, or the mouse actually a kangaroo, was getting the better of Sylvester when he was trying to show his son how to be a mouser. I still crack up, when the son puts a bag over his head as he is ashamed of his dad's ability. Wasn't that kangaroo like a a champion boxer or something?
0: Yes. What's your dad? He's a champion mouser. Oh, oh. And then, of course, he, oh, and the, the kangaroo just puts the boots to Sylvester. Poor Sylvester. He just can't get a break that guy.
1: No, he just could not uh, always get Tweety always getting the be- best of him. Um, but yeah, I think I I don't know why, but as I think about it, I kind of had an affinity for the various characters who were always trying and failing. Like Wile E. Coyote never caught the Roadrunner. Sylvester was mm-hmm. always getting usurped or one-upped by whoever. Daffy Duck never really he, he he was always foiled at whatever plan he was... So what does that say about me, that I like all the characters that try and fail all the time?
0: You like an underdog, Brett McGarry. That's what it says about you. Compassionate, empathic. That's, that's what it tells me about you. I mean, I'm not a psychologist, but... I I would take that and run with it.
1: I will take that as well because that was a far more positive appraisal than I was anticipating. And by the way, speaking of, I just heard some weird audio. I have no idea what made that sound. I don't know if that's my email or what, so I'll have to figure that out. But earlier I tried to play a clip from Eve. uh, He sent in the Rabbit of Seville and I thought that I screwed something up, but it turned out that just the video had this like dead spot of audio. Oh. And I just happened to pick that spot (laughs) at random. Okay. (laughs) Because I just loaded it up. On the spot. Yeah. Did you see Herb's text message?
0: He did his own uh, top five for us. Oh, my top five bugs high diving hair. I came to see a high diving act, Piker's Peak race to the top of the schmatterhorn for <laughs> fifty thousand 000 cronkites big house bunny jailed for tunneling into a prison with stupid guard schultz nighty night bugs yosemite sam famous line stupid dragon and number one rabbit of seville splashing figaro hair tonic on elmer's head that grows flowers instead of hair <laughs> herb thank you for that comprehensive list of your favorite episodes of bugs bunny <laughs>
1: Phase four of Manitoba's reopening began over the weekend. And one of the components of phase four, you can go to the movies again.
0: Yes, Brett. And while you were golfing, your Couch Potatoes cohort was back in the saddle, going to not one, but two movies. Jeff Braun joins us again. Good morning, Jeff. Oh, did I tell you? Good morning, boys.
1: Okay, I forgot. I'm looking at the schedule and realized I forgot to put uh, Jeff on the schedule. But producer Kyle is on top of things. So, Jeff, uh, what did you see this weekend?
4: Uh, I saw a couple of classics because while the theaters have reopened, there aren't any new movies, per se, playing in them. So I saw a couple of classics, and for cheap. The tickets were only $5. On Saturday, I saw Jaws, and on Sunday, I saw... Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Rings, one, the Fellowship of the Ring.
1: Just for you, Greg. You're gonna need a bigger boat. Why
0: would you do that, dude? <laughs> do you already stay out of open bodies of water?
1: <laughs> uh, so were the theaters busy?
4: Nope, not at all. It was. Uh, it wasn't. I wouldn't say it was a ghost town, but it was. The lobbies felt like a ghost town, and actually, on. Well, on Saturday, I went to see Jaws in the afternoon at Saint-Fatel at the Cineplex there, and I was the only person in the lobby, and I had already bought my ticket online, and I just stopped at the counter and bought a drink and walked into the theater, and the theater must seat a couple of hundred people, and I would say there were about eight of us in there, or ten of us maybe, all together. The glitch, though, was they sell the seats in blocks of two, and then like every third set of two maybe they sell, and I went by myself, so I just bought one ticket, and sure enough, they sold a ticket to the, a guy in the seat right next to me. So they would have had me sitting right right beside a total stranger. But, uh, you know, I mean, there were 10 of us in a theater with hundreds of empty seats, so I just went and sat somewhere else that no one was near. So that's a little glitch that Cineplex might want to look at. And then on Sunday, I went to the Landmark Theater at Grant Park, and they had actually thought of that problem because... They were selling groups of two in most of the rows, but then the row I was sitting in, they were selling single seats. So I got a single seat there as well. That was, so that worked out really well. And you know, the people selling popcorn had gloves and masks and everything like that going on. So I didn't feel at all like I was in danger of catching anything. It, it felt really, really safe and secure. Wow, that sounds like they're, they're taking a,
0: the steps to make you feel comfortable. What about the self-serve uh, beverage machine? Is that still in effect?
4: That was still in effect, and I, I just, uh, whenever I have to touch anything, the last couple of months, I, I use my knuckles instead of my fingertips, just uh, so in case, you know, you end up scratching at yourself or something, you don't accidentally transmit something. So, but the, even then, they, they played a video before the movie, and I think the guy in the video said they were cleaning those things off every half hour. And even, I think at Grant Park, they were doing it more than that, because as soon as I got my iced tea and walked away, a guy was right there and wiped down the machine, so...
1: So was there anything else that you noticed that was different? I mean, obviously, 30% capacity. Sounds like they're keeping things clean. You had that glitch with the seats. Did they have seats in the theater, like, just actually blocked off?
4: They didn't have them blocked off, but it was all assigned seating when you're buying your tickets and that. So, and, And there was, you know, the seats are clearly numbered, so it's pretty obvious like that, but they didn't go through the rigmarole of taping anything off. They're just not going to sell the empty seats. Jeff under normal circumstances how
0: busy are things on a saturday or a sunday afternoon at the movie theater
4: well that's in the winter it's often not too bad and especially it depends what you go see of course and in the summertime when it's blockbuster season this stuff it's it's like if it was avengers endgame or whatever it would it have been sold out in six screens in each of those theaters so it was much less busy than it Usually is. And that was the weirdest thing for me was because usually, you know, pre COVID, if I go into a matinee by myself, I like when the theater's empty. But this weekend, I was sitting there thinking, boy, I wish this would be a nice, full, crowded theater again and get to have that sort of a movie experience.
1: So I'm looking at the list of movies that are now playing in these three theaters, the Scotiabank Theater at Polo Park, uh, St. Patel, Silver City, and then, of course, uh, Landmark Cinema's Grant Park. Uh, just looking at Cineplex, for example, I see uh, the on the IMAX screen they're doing Batman Begins, The Dark Knight Rises, and uh, The Dark Knight, of course, which is your favorite. I think you saw that five times in theaters. Are you going to make it Six.
4: Uh, I don't know. I've, I feel like I've given enough of my money to that movie already, <laughs> even if it is only a $5 ticket. But you know, in a couple of weeks, I might actually, uh, I might do that. I know Jurassic Park's playing in a couple of them too, and I have missed that on the big screen when it first came out. I'd like to, I did see it in 3D on the big screen a few years back, but I might go see that again.
1: You know where I saw that movie, Greg, uh, to keep it on the downtown theme, I saw Jurassic Park at the Garrick. And I made my friends go. I said, if you, I'll go see Jurassic Park with you, but it's got to be at the Garrick.
0: Yeah, you know, there were some great movie theaters downtown. And uh, Can Add Inns has done such an incredible job of uh, reforming and restoring the uh, Metropolitan Theater. But I remember seeing uh, Star Wars there and Superman. Uh, did, did you ever do movies in downtown Winnipeg at a now disappeared or uh, a theater that doesn't exist
4: anymore, Jeff? You know, when, we were, when I was a kid, we'd come to the city, because I was born and raised in Altona, as we know, and every, you know, a couple times a year, we'd come to the city for the weekend, especially like in the winter. We'd come to the, I guess it's a Delta now, it was the Holiday Inn at the time, and we'd get like the indoor parking, and then we'd just stay in the hotel, and then you could go, you know, walk through the, over the tunnels atop and below, or whatever, through downtown and go shopping and that sort of thing. And there was a theater underground somewhere downtown, but, the I North mean, I Star. I kid, and I couldn't tell... Is that what it was? I couldn't tell you where exactly it was, but I remember I saw Roger Rabbit there a couple of times because that movie stayed there for a long time. I saw the Black Cauldron down there. I remember I went with my grandma and my sister to see the fox and the hound down there. So I, I remember that theater quite well.
1: Yeah, that was on, on uh, Portage, uh, the North Star. I can't remember exactly what building it was in. Was it in a hotel? Oh.
0: Yeah, I guess it would be what's now the Radisson... No. Oh. Well, it's a Canad Inn property now, right? Yeah, but it's a it's the Radisson.
1: Yeah, that's and, right. And yeah,
0: they used to have the great big long escalators to go up and down. That's all oh, huge theaters there. And uh, I was thinking of the other, uh, the Colony Theater that used to be at the intersection where uh, portage and colony is now obviously uh the investors group building is there and that was a huge theater as well lots of amazing movie theaters downtown back in the day
1: well jeff braun thanks for give, thanks for the lowdown and what it's like to go to the movies now sounds like they're doing their best to keep things clean uh, but as jeff pointed out just watch out for when you book your seat uh, and you may end up having to move how was it to eat movie popcorn again
4: It was really good, and I was very proud of myself because before I went to the first movie, I'd already bought a ticket for the second movie on Sunday, and I thought, well, I shouldn't have popcorn at both, so I waited until Sunday because Lord of the Rings, uh, which, by the way, it says it's a three-hour running time, but they played the extended edition, so it was the three-and-a-half-hour running time. And I thought, that's such a long movie, I need uh, I
1: to save my popcorn for the long movie. Oh, wow. Some some yeah. surprising restraints. I would have been <laughs> just stuffing my face with popcorn instantly. Jeff, Very thank weird. you so much for joining us. Jeff Ron is co-host of The Couch Potatoes, which airs Saturdays at noon, Sundays at 6. And, of course, you can subscribe to the podcast at cjob.com. But, yeah, Greg, I'm looking at some of the movies. Uh, so just looking at the list for Polar Park, mentioned the three Batman movies. Uh, you've got movies like Sonic the Hedgehog and The Hunt, but in terms of other old Older movies, Gravity. Did you ever see uh, Gravity with Sandra Bullock?
0: I've seen it, but I didn't see it in the theater.
1: Amazing big screen experience. They've got Jurassic Park and uh, The Karate Kid. And then uh, let me just go to St. Fatal here. St. Fatal has Jaws. Um, what else do they have for classics? Back to the Future. And then Landmark, Grant Park. For classic movies, they've got Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Uh they have Jurassic Park as well, Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Ring, Dirty Dancing, Back to the Future, The Goonies, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Friday the 13th and Jaws. So, all kinds of ways for you to see Jaws. Yeah, yeah, thanks Brett. Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is on vacation. Greg, I've already had a conversation this morning with the boss. He popped his head in just after uh, seven o'clock. But there's only one person to whom we can truly refer as the boss.
0: The boss of talk himself, Charles Adler. I don't know what he's doing up at this ungodly hour. Oh, wait. He's a radio guy. He's almost always awake. Charles Adler, thanks for taking some time with us this morning. Good morning, friend.
2: I'm not going to be uh, blowharding as much as I usually do. I got to keep my voice down because it's not even six o'clock here in North Vancouver, and you know the family's asleep. So I hope you don't mind. I mean, I'm I'm up early, as you say. I'm a I'm a radio guy, which is a nice way of saying I'm a a lunatic. So I've been <laughs> up you know since two o'clock this morning. But listen, uh, there's no way that I'm not going to be awake for the for the big event. I mean, uh, Portage and Maine, CGOB. I mean, historians will say this is somewhat in the league with the. 1919 general strike, maybe a little larger.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we can't confirm that, but uh, I guess only time will tell, Charles. But uh, CGOB, of course, moved from 930 Portage uh, to Polo Park uh, about nine years ago. And then now here we are uh, right in the heart of downtown. And uh, what do you think that says uh, when a media outlet uh, makes a commitment to downtown? I think it's a big deal. Do you think it's a big deal?
2: Well, it means that uh, whoever was, uh, you know, trying to sign leases just wasn't getting the right kind of deal. I'm sure that OB was grinding him and grinding him. They got the Winnipeg way, you know, grinding Cadillac, Fairview, and they just, uh, you know, they just wouldn't say uncle. So they moved. I mean, what else could it be? (laughs) Uh, Am I I missing something? I've I've only been away for five years, not 50 years. Is that not the way we do things in the peg?
1: I think so. That sounds about right. There, I know there. I think there was some. Uh, I seem to remember a food tray uh, coming from. I can't remember which one. But uh, you know, Charles. We, we, as I look out the the window here, uh, thirty floors up, I've never never worked in uh, a place with this kind of view. What about you? Have you ever worked in a in a high rise like this?
2: Well, I uh, generally. I mean, before COVID, I mean, life was uh, life was a lot different. And before COVID, I was working on the uh, 21st floor uh, downtown Vancouver, and it really is amazing when you're when you're high up there. But you, you know, the the, obje- the objective is always, uh, as you know, guys, uh, not to get too full of yourselves, because you you, you got to be on the same level as uh, as the listener. So there's that 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 problem that some people have. And I'm serious. Uh, I'll be serious for just a moment. When you're high up there, you know. There's that, you, you, you can get into a bubble. Uh, so you you, you got to pretend that you're in the basement at all times. Well, no
0: problem there for me. I literally am in the basement, <laughs> in my own basement. So <laughs> I'm nice and grounded, Chuck. Uh, not a problem there for me. But it's kind of interesting as well. We've come full circle. CGOB started in the Lindsay building, which I don't know if you can actually see it, Brett, when you're standing up uh, just a little bit to the west of 201 Portage. But it's it's kind of neat. I like uh, I like full circle. I like the way stories can connect to themselves uh, once in
2: a while. So you're so, so because of covid I guess Greg you're telling me that you're actually not up in the in the stratosphere with uh, with our buddy Brett. Well, I I guess
0: we know who the every man is now, right? All it, right, so it, the, I'm, counting my basement.
2: I'm counting on I'm counting on I'm counting on you Greg to stay grounded. Consider it done. And of course Brett, I mean uh, you're, you're I guess you're you must feel like an astronaut right now.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm actually, I, I've gotten a little bit dizzy this morning. I hate to say it, but I was walking around earlier and uh, I, I felt just kind of weird. And I think it's just the, getting used to this view, you know, when you're used to working on the second floor and then you jump to the 30th floor. Uh, it's kind of bizarre, but it is nice. And that's great advice, Charles, on uh, making sure to stay grounded. That's something I never thought of. I will watch out for that for sure.
2: When uh, we first worked together, Brett, uh, you repelled... Down the Richardson Building. Now, how high up were you when you started the rappel? Oh
1: God, yeah, that was the RBC Building. What is that? Twenty stories? Is it, I don't even yeah. not sure if it's even twenty stories, yeah. but it was high, yeah, and no, I it. fell off the building. I fell off. You remember that?
2: Yeah, of course. Why don't you Why don't you try that right now, like day one? <laughs> <laughs> I think <laughs> it be a hell of an event, McGarry repelling on, on day one of the new location from the 30th floor. I think, I, I, listen, I mean, why not? There, there's probably some publicity out there for it. The, the papers are still operating. in Winnipeg. There, there must be a camera person who will hop down and, and do something, maybe some of the TV stations. Uh, global TV, certainly, will, 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 will get you on the show. Charles Adler,
1: <laughs> the boss of talk, joining us live. <laughs> That'd be helpful. Thank you so much, Charles. Great to talk to you, buddy. Congratulations on the big move. A group which advocates for transit users is asking the province of Manitoba to accept federal funding to get transit in Winnipeg back on track.
0: Derek Koop is president of Functional Transit Winnipeg. He joins us now. Good morning, Derek.
3: Good morning. Thanks for having me on today.
0: Well, it's always good to to have you on as we move downtown, our first show from downtown. And the idea of taking transit uh, appeals to me to Portage and Maine. Unfortunately, because of the hours that transit operates, it's not really an option. I could get home, but, uh, you know, then... uh, I would have a vehicle downtown. Anyway, we digress uh, dramatically here. The whole idea of transit and making it more functional overall is clearly at the top of your agenda. But what's happening uh, today? You just sent out in the last 15 minutes uh, news release asking uh, the Premier to do something. What do you want him to do?
3: Yes. Yeah, so it- As far as we understand from the the recent uh, media releases is that uh, the federal government is on board with providing um, emergency funding for transit agencies across Canada, um, but that does require matching funding from the province. It does require the province to receive those funds and transfer those onto the municipalities in in Manitoba. And so we're calling on the province to um, basically fund transit. You know, we're, we're primarily focused with transit in Winnipeg, and so that's what we're asking today.
1: So what, what is, you say that uh, there like, it, it says that every day thousands of Winnipeggers rely on transit to get where they need to be. A well-funded transit system keeps them in our economy moving safely. So what needs to improve? Like, what's missing in your eyes? Um,
3: so the, the big thing uh, with transit in Winnipeg is they are heavily reliant on uh, the fares. Um, they are one of the most efficient in terms of, you know, their fare recovery and how much um, the fares fund Part of transit and with COVID-19 you know we, we did see a dramatic drop in ridership so that meant a dramatic hit to uh, the bottom line to the revenue for uh, Winnipeg transit and for the city um, and the city is unable to run a financial deficit so that basically means they will, they'll need to you know look at what what, what can they cut um, in this coming year and so it, it really requires just emergency funding right now uh, to keep our transit system going and, and keep um, you know it's safe for everyone so that we can provide the social distancing on the buses. And, you know, as we're looking to restart the economy, we need to look at getting people back to work, get, getting people to businesses um, and transit is, is a big part of that.
0: I know the city of Winnipeg wants to reinstate full transit surface within the next couple of weeks here. What have you been seeing? What have you been hearing about uh, life on transit life on buses for for passengers and and whether or not they're feeling safe whether they're feeling comfortable and and are masks available if they don't have one are they mandatory give us an idea of what's going on out there derek
3: yeah there's, there's definitely a lot of mixed feelings on it um the, the province still does advise that people you know only taking transit for central trips uh, as far as we understand um, but many people you know when there are buses that do become over full um there is no uh maximum limit that you know they'll stop accepting passengers but they will you know call out more buses to to help alleviate some of those uh uh, higher rushes but that that does create a lot of concern for people um you know some people will you know pass up a bus if it looks too full Um, some people aren't taking transit right now because they are concerned about um you know is everyone wearing a mask on it Um, there is no requirement currently for that or or recommendation on that but you know there's there's a lot of concern, and, and I think just, you know, having more buses on the road to just provide that distance is, is an easy answer um, right now.
1: And before we let you go, Derek, any inkling from the province that they might move on this by allocating the, using the allocated federal dollars?
3: Uh, you know, I, I couldn't say other way at this point, but, you know, we, we are hoping that they will um, you know work with the federal government, accept this money and match that uh, funds to, to provide, you know, safe transit in Winnipeg.
1: Derek Koop joining us live on 680 CJOB. He is president of Functional Transit Winnipeg. Thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate it, Derek. Thank you very much. 813 on 680 CJOB. Before we get out of here, Greg, uh, did you just have a, it sounded like you were about to offer a final thought? No, I just wanted to thank
0: Derek for the work that he does. And he came on, you know, with about three minutes notice here. He sent out uh, that, that media, that press release. And, and uh, you know, this is an important thing for a lot of people because I saw on Twitter, uh, of course, the uh, the only way that, really interacting with people on a broad scale. Uh, Lots of complaints about people on full buses in Winnipeg over the last week or so. So I know it's a concern. I know it's something that needs to be rectified. And as Derek so rightly points out, the city of Winnipeg kind of has its hands tied in terms of funding and the amount of money that they can direct to transit. They need those fares. They can't run a deficit. So thus, Functional Transit, Winnipeg, is asking the province to step in and take advantage of this federal money to uh, get things back to, quote-unquote, new normal.
1: Hey, as we move into our new digs high above Winnipeg's most iconic intersection at Portage and Main, we thought we should reach out to our friend Brent Bellamy to get some P&M factoids.
0: Yeah, Brent is an architect and creative director at number 10. He writes a column regularly for the free press chair of the Centre Venture Board. Uh, Good morning, Brent. Is there anything you don't do?
5: Oh, I do it all. Thanks very much, you guys. You know, welcome home. You guys have been, you're coming back to your roots. It's great to see.
0: Well, you know, I mentioned that uh, with Charles Adler a little early, a little bit ago, and the idea that uh, it all started uh, March 11th, forty-six at the Lindsay Building.
5: Yeah, that's right. There used to be actually a a big antenna sticking out the top of the Lindsay building that said CGOB on it. It was uh, sort of an icon in the downtown for
1: decades. Yeah, it is pretty cool to be back downtown uh, at 201 Portage. Is is 201 Portage Winnipeg's tallest building? It is.
5: It's going to be surpassed soon, but it's been uh, the tallest building for about 30 years. But uh, I think uh, sometime this year it's going to be passed by the, the residential building going up just across the street.
0: So, Brent, I've heard stories over the years, so I'm going to ask you for the real truth here. Why is the intersection at Portage and Main so gigantic physically? Does it have anything to do with ox carts?
5: Yep, that's exactly what it is. It's, uh, we're a victim of the Red River cart um, back in the 1860s. It was actually, a, for centuries, it was a, a trading route. Um, Portage Trail and it actually was the, the route that went west to Portage La Prairie and that's why it's called Portage Avenue and it was actually the intersection of the the trail that went from the from Upper Fort Garry to the lake and then from the from there to the west to Portage La Prairie so that was a it was an ox cart intersection really the high ground away from the river it was sort of the closest you could get to the river without flooding and so that's why that intersection is there today.
1: Greg mentioned this earlier, that we were going to ask you about this, and I said, pardon. What's the the story that there's a building within this building?
5: Yeah, there. long time ago, there was a, a little four-story building built by uh, Canadian National CN. And they were actually a telegraph company way back when, as well as a railway. Um, and they would send telegraphs across Western Canada And that sort of developed and became a real telecommunications hub for all of Western Canada. And so when they built 201 Portage, they couldn't tear that building down because it would have shut down communications across Western Canada. So there's actually a building inside that building. If you look closely on the the side that faces the big 40-year-old parking lot, those windows on that side are actually fake because there's a building inside there. And if you make friends with the maintenance crew and and actually try to get a peek into that space because it's pretty amazing. It looks like they just got up and walked out. There's coffee cups on the the tables. There's a bowling trophy you can see through the window. It literally looks like they just got up in the 80s and, and walked away.
0: Encino man, it's just totally encapsulated and frozen in time. Yeah. And you mentioned that parking lot, uh, you, you slid it in there, uh, but I knew <laughs> you had to. There have been various proposals for for buildings there over the years. Brent, what's the holdup? What, what do you think's preventing that gravel parking lot from joining uh, the rest of the, of the property at Portage and uh, Main as being fully developed?
5: You know, I'm not sure why it's taken so long. There's been, I, I'm going to say, five different proposals for buildings there, all really big skyscrapers. Maybe that's the issue is that it's, the idea is that it's something big. I I would be happy if there was something small go, going there, to be honest, because that parking lot is, yeah, it's 41 years old this year. And, uh, you know, it's really a blight in the downtown, and, and it's actually becoming a bigger parking lot right now. They're working on it. I really hope one day that it does become uh, an important part because it was actually the, the site of the, the first office building in Western Canada. It was, it was a, a, an important site in the city and it actually, that building was torn down because it would make it easier to redevelop the site. And so 40 years later we can see that maybe that wasn't the best idea.
1: No, we mentioned, as you mentioned it, that CJOB has come full circle right across the street from the amazing Lindsay Building. What can you tell us about the Lindsay Building?
5: You know the Lindsay Building was uh, it was an office building built in the in 1912. Um, it's one of uh, the terracotta towers of Winnipeg. Winnipeg is lucky because we boomed right at the right time, and uh, we have actually the finest collection of terracotta buildings. That sort of white clay brick that you, that's on the Lindsay Building. Um, there's other buildings like the the Paris Building like that it looks like that. You know that sort of white sculptural. Uh, material that was it was on those old buildings and so we actually have the best collection in north america and the Lindsay building was one of those um it it was actually it was empty after you guys left it was empty for many many years a couple of decades actually and it was redeveloped in 2002 into a residential building and it was the first sort of new residential project downtown in about 20 years so it really signified the beginning of the renaissance of the exchange district And there was only about 100 people living in the exchange at the time, and now there's 3,000. So it was really the first building that happened that, that showed people that they could maybe live downtown.
0: Well, and if you want to live there, there's a waiting list. I think you have to go through a, a George Costanza-like interview process. And that's not true. That, that's that, that's uh, me editorializing. But it, it's good to know somebody if you want to get your foot in that building. I hear it's extremely difficult. Uh, I remember touring the building right after the renovations were done. And uh, if uh, my life were different, I'd be living there right now. Uh, Brett, as I say, uh, kids ruin everything. <laughs> but uh, right across the street from 201 Portage is, of course, the Richardson Building, and massive changes going on to the Richardson Building, with regard to what's going on at street level. Can you t- give us some insight as to the construction that's going on there?
5: Yeah, they are. Uh, they're doing their new plaza. It was uh, the plaza was built 50 years ago with the building, and there's a building underneath there. It's the you know you you know the the walkway underneath the, the concourse underneath and so the roof membrane has to be replaced so they're replacing the membrane right now which meant ripping up the the plaza and actually the sidewalk uh, the public sidewalk um, to replace the roof membrane because it was leaking and they are actually you can see almost all of the barricades are down on that side and they're not coming back you won't be able to cross but there won't be barricades on that side so it will be interesting to see how that changes the perception of Portage and Maine. Maine. My hope is that if it doesn't look like a a raceway with concrete crash walls, that maybe we start to treat it just like a normal intersection, like every other intersection in the downtown. If it looks normal, maybe we'll, make, we'll think it should be normal. So it'll be interesting. It's going to be more beautiful no matter what, because those big concrete walls will be gone. Right, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to watch.
1: Before we let you go, Brent, uh, I have to ask you, we can transition from, you just mentioned uh, big concrete walls. Jeff Braun went to see Lord of the Rings over the weekend, and you tweeted about something where it felt like you had entered into Middle Earth. Where were you on your bike over the weekend?
5: Yeah, I found an actual, there's a website that lists all the biggest trees in Winnipeg. There's the historic listed trees. I didn't even know that was a thing. Like, historic listed buildings, they have one for trees. And there's a, a stand of cottonwood trees in West Caldonan by the river, um, almost where I grew up. And I never even knew it existed. And it's, a, it's called Macbeth Park. And it's 160, 170-year-old cottonwood trees that honestly felt like Lord of the Rings. Like, it felt like when I was standing beside them that they were going to start talking to me and moving around. If you get a chance, you should go check it out. It's a hidden gem in the city that just blew my mind.
0: Brent, we always appreciate your time, your insight, your storytelling ability and uh, your passion for where we live. It's great to have you as a neighbor and uh, hope we can catch up for lunch one of these days soon.
5: Sounds good. I'm, yeah, I'm uh, a few meters away, so let's go anytime.
1: NHL players have been eager to find out what life will be like inside the bubble. And they got a first taste on Sunday. Yeah, the 24 teams, each with a 52-person traveling party
0: set to participate in the league's restart, entered the secure zones in two Canadian cities ahead of the resumption of the pandemic-halted 2019-20 season. Players and staff checked into tightly monitored hotels inside the Toronto and Edmonton bubbles, where they will be separated from the general population by security fencing and undergo daily COVID-19 testing. The Winnipeg Jets are in Edmonton, of course, as they are shifting into the next phase of preparations for their best-of-five play-in series versus the Calgary Flames. Ken Weeb covers the Winnipeg Jets for Sportsnet. Good morning, Ken. Yes, good morning, gentlemen. Congrats on the move. We appreciate that very much. Uh, we'll have to get you up to the 30th floor when it's safe to do so. You're heading to Edmonton Friday. What do you think it's going to be like uh, based on the pictures that uh, I'm seeing? It looks more like a a setup for one of these uh, conferences uh, where they invite leaders of the world and they're expecting rioting.
6: Yeah, I mean, certainly going to be interesting. I mean, I think we're in unprecedented times, as we know, uh, not quite sure how it's going to go for all these guys who are Uh, used to having a lot of freedom in their life. Um, Paul Maurice kind of said it best yesterday. It's the John Ferguson senior rules where uh, unlike the days of today where everyone's your buddy and you probably played with them on a couple of traveling teams uh, when you were 14 or 16, uh, you're basically stuck in your own bubble right now. Uh, Sure, with with technology, you'll be able to communicate with your friends and other teams, but it's going to be very interesting. I don't think it's going to be a problem at the beginning of these play-in playoffs but what what's going to be like in 2 months from now or 6 weeks from now where basically all your interactions are with your teammates and the majority of your time is spent at your hotel in the rink yes they have set up some nice lounges and things of that nature but it's also different because of the timing summertime is golf time uh, after after players work out generally so uh, it's going to be interesting and obviously i think uh, the team that handles that downtime the best uh, should have the best chance to go the furthest
1: have any of the players been bold enough to say, man, I don't, really, I don't really want to do this?
6: No, you know what? Not really. I mean, I think that uh, the players understand the financial and economic implications of losing the season would be, I mean, we're talking about basically a billion dollar uh, piece of the revenue pie. And I don't think that a lot of players wanted to sign up for 60 to 80 percent escrow or reduced salaries or anything of that nature. So... While well, they appreciate the, uh, you know, there is an element of, uh, I mean, it's not, <laughs> who knows exactly how it could go. We've seen in baseball here with the Miami Marlins having a mini outbreak uh, several days into the season. Uh, nothing is completely safe, but we know that the NHL is taking precautions. So I think most players uh, are okay with it. Andrew Kaufman very vocal in saying that their age group, for the most part, in terms, I mean, we don't know the full extent of the science, but uh, healthy athletes are not immune, but they're certainly uh you know in a, in a good position to handle it if something were to happen I mean Anthony Batetto, a great example I love the fact that he was very forthcoming in in talking about what he what, what he dealt with and how he was fortunate that the symptoms were pretty mild compared to what some people have gone through.
0: Ken Weeb joins us now. Covers the Jets for Sportsnet. You want to follow him on Twitter. He's an outstanding follow at Weeb's World on Twitter. And Ken, what was it like following the Jets and and their summer training camp, for lack of better terminology, over the last couple of weeks with that distance that you had to have uh, <laughs> between yourself and the team? A little bit unusual.
6: Yeah, for sure, uh, Greg. I mean, you, you like to you know roll up the sleeves and enjoy and sink into. Uh, training camps look at where the battles are obviously a different situation uh paul Maurice has basically kept his line steady but for us it was very strange i mean we were not allowed in the in the uh in 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 the the arena i mean we're in the building but we were behind plexiglass you could only see the first half of practice uh through the press box restaurant and then the second half of practice would move to the other arena and then the, the, the reporters were uh stuck watching full circuit tv now again a month ago, we didn't think we'd be allowed in the building. So I think it's important to remember that this is not a complaint. This is, I mean, you're happy to have some access, but uh, it's like the, you know, grade seven volleyball game where uh, they just put the camera up and have a wide angle lens. And naturally when they were scrimmaging, uh, the majority of the goals took place at the far end where you could barely make out the players uh, who were scoring the goals. So, I mean, we had some fun with that with Paul Maurice and he was able to clarify some things, but it just wasn't the normal it, we talk about the new normal all the time uh this was a strange thing to have to watch practice i mean you pick up little intricacies but now for the next week or two months the practices in edmonton are closed so we won't see anything so i think the uh, the overriding belief is that we're thankful to be in the building and have a chance to watch but uh, it was tough to uh tough to see some of the things that you would normally be looking for in a training camp setting and environment
1: What's it going to be like uh, for you in terms of, like, will you need to be tested or or monitored? Yeah, I
6: think right now the the media bubble is different than the player bubble. We won't have any interaction with the players outside of Zoom calls. Uh, We have a separate entrance where we'll be going in. We go directly to our uh, workstation. Uh, We'll be doing temperature checks. I don't think that they will be doing the COVID-19 testing. At least that's my understanding of the uh, situation. It's because we're out of the secure bubble Uh, We won't be subject to that, at least not initially. But uh, there is an element of having to be adaptable. Paul Maurice talked about it for him as coaching. I think media is going to have to be adaptable as well in, in getting used to what we're about to see, which will be very interesting. I mean, I know some people wonder why you would go, but I think if any of you guys have watched any of the Blue Jays games or anything else, you won't be able to tell the real environment in the building unless you're there because of the piping in of uh, crowd sound and music and everything else. So I feel really fortunate that I'll be in the building and have the opportunity to kind of try to paint the picture of what it's actually like uh,
0: inside rather than what you're maybe going to see on TV all right well let's talk about some hockey before we let you run here because i said everybody's asking so is nhl they gonna get back and i was i always said if they get on that plane and they make it to edmonton then yes i feel comfortable (laughs) that things are gonna happen but up until saturday i gotta be honest ken i was still skeptical that we were gonna see this you know happen so whether or not this gets completed still up in the air in my opinion but let's talk about the jets let's talk about. The fact that this Stanley Cup, I know a lot of people are, are talking about an asterisk beside whoever wins this Stanley Cup. I think there should be one because it might be the toughest one ever to win. Everyone is as healthy as they can be, COVID-19 aside.
6: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I would vote for the non-asterisk as well. I understand what people are thinking on that front, but there was no asterisk uh, during the lockout shortened Stanley Cup. The Chicago Blackhawks won, so... And you also, you know, you touched on it. I mean, if the team that plays in the play-in round wins the Stanley Cup, they'll have to win five rounds in 19 games where normally you'd have to win 16. So uh, for me, given what every team is going to have to go through here, uh, no asterisk required. It's definitely going to be the toughest Stanley Cup to win to date. Uh, And the other part of it is you just don't know what teams are going to look like. I mean, I think that the Jets look as prepared as they can be. I would say the second week of practice looked a lot better than the first. And that wasn't a knock on the first. It just guys have been off the ice for a long time. So, how can they gel? Are they going to be the team that came out of the gate a little bit slow? Or are they going to be the team that uh, went on a went on a big run going, you know, into the pause? So, I mean, the Jets have the best goalie in the NHL, which means I think they're well positioned to be one of those underdog type, type teams. I mean, I'm certainly sure not predicting them to win the Stanley Cup this morning, but I wouldn't be surprised if they won several rounds and and went deep into the playoffs, similar to 2018.
1: Ken Weeb joining us live on 680 CJOB, talking about hockey, or as I like to say, Ken, uh, because it's the official sports terminology, we all knows, know this, the North American Ice Hockey League Championships. <laughs> so. I love it. Uh, very good. Thanks for having me, guys. It was great to talk to you, and have a great day here. All right, Ken. Thanks a lot for joining us. Yeah, man, I, Greg, I didn't think we were going to see any of the sportsings, and I'm I'm very happy to be proven wrong in this. This is exciting times. I know it's going to be weird, as he pointed out. Like, guys are usually golfing at this Mm -hmm. time. But uh, there are a lot of very excited people
0: well let me tell you we're going to the lake this weekend and the first text message was so how are we watching the game on saturday <laughs> <laughs> apparently we, we've got a big screen tv somebody's gonna set that up uh in the yard up at the cottage and there'll probably be you know a dozen or so of us watching the game it starts nine thirty winnipeg time saturday night and i have to admit i'm starting to get excited